this is God's word. Now, y'all sound a little weak this morning. Say it again. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And as we come, I thank you for breathing on your word and breathing on our hearts. So that we will hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in this place. Thank you for moving. I give you full reign to say what needs to be said. And Lord, I thank you in advance that our lives will never be the same. Even those who are watching. I pray that what they hear today will catapult their faith to new levels. And I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So this month, everybody say this month. This month, I decided to do some random messages. In the past, I call them shotgun messages. So that means that none of the messages this week will probably tie together from a series standpoint. So you want to get here because uh, you don't know what I'm going to be talking about. And so if you're taking notes today, the message title is Having a Faith Perspective of Problems. Having a faith perspective of problems. Let me ask you a question. How many in here have ever had a problem? Let me see your hand. Oh, ooh, wow, wow, wow. If you didn't raise your hand, you are the problem. <laughs> the goal of the message today is to provide us with some revelatory insight to help us view and solve problems from a faith perspective because many times in life when problems come we don't face them with a faith perspective and problems are something everybody's going to experience it doesn't matter how much money you have it doesn't matter what your education level is it doesn't matter what your what your life experience is you're going to experience problems and Jesus said something that I believe will help us in principle and then help us from a promise perspective uh, have the right perspective of problems so that life won't catch us by surprise. Because many times when problems come, how many know it didn't catch God by surprise, even though it might have caught us up by surprise. So what I want to do, they're going to take a uh, look at John chapter 16. We're going to be reading out of the New King James Version, John 16, 33. And today, after I'm done, you'll have the proper perspective of problems. So when they happen, because they're going to happen, you need to know how to respond to them. So the New King James Version of John 16:33. this is what it says. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that in me, everybody say in me, in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a promise. He says, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer. I have, that's past tense, 
overcome, that word means conquered the world. So if you're taking notes, and you should have your notes with you. If you don't have notes, you can raise your hand. The ushers will bring you some. The first point is we must have the proper perspective of problems. We must have the proper perspective of problems. In John 16, he says, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. How many are in the world? In the world. In the world? Yeah. If you didn't raise your hand, what world are you in? Jesus is saying, as long as we're living on this side of the world, as long as we live on this side of life, we're going to experience some problems. So listen, it is unrealistic. Everybody say unrealistic. It's unrealistic to think that you will reach a point in your life where you will never have problems. You know, some people think that if I had enough money, my problems will go away. But that's not true because I know people with millions of dollars who have millions of problems. And here's the sad thing. Some of us as believers, we want to reach a point in life where we don't have to use our faith anymore. I don't want to have to use my faith for money no more. I got enough money. I got enough this. I got enough that. The problem, if you ever reach a point in your life where you don't have to use your faith no more, then you have just stopped pleasing God. It says, without faith, it is impossible to what? Please God. So the moment you and I reach a place of so much comfort where we don't have to use our faith, we've just stopped pleasing God. And so what Jesus did, the beautiful thing about what he said is, Jesus gave us at least the right perspective to have about problems in life. He said, be of good cheer. In other words, don't get down. Don't get discouraged. Don't get, don't be disappointed in what happened. Why? Because listen, he says, I've done something about the problem even before it happened. That's good news right there. That's a promise. In other words, he says, listen, I have fixed something for you before it happened to you. He's saying, I solved a problem even before you experienced it. And the only way we're going to have the proper perspective of problems, we're going to have to see problems from Jesus' perspective. So here's a take-home statement that I want to give you because in order for us to have the perspective that Jesus has on problems, we have to now change our perspective. So Jesus said, in this world you will have them, but be a good cheer. So here's a take-home statement. Everybody say, take-home statement. When God makes you a promise, it's already done when he tells you. Okay, so listen, Jesus gave us a principle or a problem, and then he told us the promise to it. He says, in this world, you're going to have some problems. That's a promise. So don't be shocked when you have one. No, Jesus said you was going to have one. But then he gave us another promise. He said, but don't even worry about it. I got it. Now, that was the ESC rendition. In other words, he said, listen, don't worry about what happens. I got it. So listen, that means the promise for a problem happening in my my life has been solved before it happened. And so when God makes us a promise, he says, I'm going to fix it. He says, I've conquered it before it happens to you, right? That's what he said. Is that what he said? So that means now when he makes a promise, it's done before he tells us about it. So God did the same thing to Elijah in first Kings chapter 17. I'm going to briefly go over this. God told Elijah about a promise. There was an issue, a situation in his life. And the Bible says in the word of the Lord came to him saying, go from here and turn eastward, hide yourself by the brook. And then he says in verse four, it shall be 
that when you drink of the brook, watch this church, I have. Is that past, present, or future? Huh? Okay, y'all, did y'all go to English class? Let me help you. Have is past tense. That means it's already done. He says, I have already commanded the ravens to feed you. In other words, God said to Elijah, he said, listen, I have already had a conversation with the birds. Now, if you didn't know, God talks bird talk. Did you know that? If he made the birds, he can talk bird. Well, whatever he said to the bird in bird language, he told them, listen, I need you to be at the brook chariot. And I need you to bring my man of God some food until I tell you to stop. So watch this. God had already prearranged with the birds to feed him. Everybody say, when God makes a promise, it's already done by the time he tells you about it. Okay, so listen. In 1 Kings 17, 9, God told him to change locations because the brook dried up. And so many of us, when problems come, let's say, for instance, God gave you a job supernaturally i mean he blessed you with this new job five years ago and it was great and now you having issues with that job you having problems with that job you having situations with that job and and instead of saying okay god do you want me to stay at this job you know what we do the brook dries up so we drink mud oh this mud tastes bad god gave me this job but you didn't go back to god to ask him do he want you to stay there So it says here in verse 9, he told the man of God, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zion, and I want you to stay there now. Watch what he says. I have commanded church. Is that past, present, or future? I helped you the first time. What is this? Past tense. He says, I've already commanded. I've made arrangements with the widow woman there to sustain you. Now, let me just point something out. Elijah did not need this widow woman to feed him because God had already did it with some birds. But see, sometimes, watch this now, God blessed this widow woman for her to be able to take care of Elijah because her taking care of him took care of her. And that's what giving does for you. So watch this now. God already made arrangements with this woman. Let's look at a New Testament example and then we're going to jump into this. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 27. This is where Jesus and Peter ran into an unplanned problem. You ever had an unplanned problem? That's when, how many got a bill in the mail you didn't expect? Something like that. Uh, how many walked into the job and you didn't know you didn't have one when you got there? You know, you know what I'm saying? You didn't know. Well, they ran into an unplanned problem because they needed to pay some taxes and Judas, the treasurer, was not there. Now, I am prophetically talking to somebody. I don't know if you're in the room, if you're watching me, you are behind on your taxes. You owe some tax money. And I'm telling you today, if you will trust God and use your faith, he's going to supernaturally supply your tax money. Say, I received that. I received that in the name of Jesus. So listen to the New Living Translation of Matthew 17, 27. He says, Jesus said, well, we don't want to offend them. So go down to the lake and throw in a line, open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it. Pay the tax for both of us. And let me just add this. 
you don't really see. See, when I read the Bible, because I have an entrepreneurial mindset, I see some things that sometimes people don't see. Because if you don't pay your taxes, the government, not government, the government, they come after you. Y'all know what I'm saying? They had a problem here. We don't know what was going to happen. And see, here's the problem. God supplied supernaturally the tax money for them. Do you agree with that? Okay, but here's the problem that I have with Christians. When we get enough money, well, we got money to pay our bills, money to, you know, buy groceries. We good and got a little money to shop and we better not have none left over, boy. We good. Oh, I'm good. The Lord is good. The problem with that mentality is if someone has a need that you know of, you can't even help them because if now if you help them, you have now just become in need. So I believe it is not God's best to have just enough. Because if you have just enough, what are you going to do? Listen, he says he wants to bless you so you can what? Okay, so if you don't have enough to be a blessing, you don't have enough. Everybody say, when God makes you a promise, it's done by the time he tells you. And that's the perspective that I need you to have today when it comes to problems coming your way. We must know that a spiritual promise has been made, listen, that will solve the natural problems that life has made. The provision of Jesus' promise, when he said he has already overcome the world, watch this now, when he made that promise... Listen, a supernatural supply was released. See, once he said, listen, it says, let there be light, what happened? Light came. In other words, once God says it, it's going to happen. Well, when Jesus says he's overcome the world for us, once he said it, the supernatural supply for the problem was released at that time. We just have to be in place to get it. And if your faith is not intact, you will never be in position to get it. And sometimes life throws problems and it gets our faith out of tact. Amen. I've discovered sometimes if we have the wrong perspective about problems, it diminishes our faith and the strength of our faith. Which now brings me to point number two, which is having the wrong perspective of problems weakens my faith. Having the wrong perspective. Because many times in life, listen, things happen and we have no explanation for it. And that's the problem. And because we don't have an explanation for it, a lot of times what we deem it as is fate, F-A-T-E, meaning that, well, I guess that was supposed to happen. And then if we're Christians, then we deem it as faith, meaning that, well, God knows best. And that's why we have a lot of people who's mad at God because he took granny. We prayed for granny. We fasted for granny. But granny passed away. So we're mad at God. But see, in order to walk in accurate faith, here's what I want to do. I want to provide you with a different and more accurate perspective and understanding of what happens in life when things, when we don't have an answer for it. That way your faith is not shaken because there are going to be some things that happen that you may not have a solution for right now. Say amen to that. Amen. Amen. The New Living Translation of 1 John chapter 5, and this is why our faith should not be shaken when something happens. He says, for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve the victory through our faith. So if the devil can just get you off 
and cause something to happen that you don't have an explanation for, that's going to shake your faith. And if it shakes your faith, you are not in position anymore to overcome the world. And here's the thing. Because we live in a world with imperfect people. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not perfect. Now look at your other neighbor and say... We live in a world with imperfect people and imperfect things are bound to happen. And how many have ever bought a brand new car? Brand new car, brand new car, online, brand new car, give me a car, give me a thumbs up. Well, even though it was brand new, it was still imperfect. You know why? Because imperfect people built it. And if you drive that brand new car long enough, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have to take it to the shop. Why? Because it's going to eventually break down. Why? Because imperfect people built the car. Say amen to that. All my GM workers, I love you though. (laughs) The only perfect person in this world is God. God is the only one that's perfect. And since, listen, he knows all things. He has all power. His presence is everywhere. Listen, it's easy because this is what happens with people. I'm going to try to help your perspective on when things happen that you don't have an explanation for these days. What happens is because God knows everything, he has all power. His presence is everywhere. Then when things happen, people tend to make God responsible for those things. I mean, this is their, their mindset is, listen, he has the power to fix it. He's everywhere. He can do everything. So evidently, if something bad happens, it's his fault because he could have fixed it. Granny didn't have to die. God could have saved her. Say amen, church. Well, since he has the power to do all things and he's everywhere at once and it seems natural to just shift the blame on him. The problem with that is everything that happens in life does not fit God's character or nature. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Evan? All-knowing does not mean all-responsible. Okay, okay. Anytime you see killing, stealing, and destruction, that activity really only fits one person, and that's the devil. John 10.10, we know the verse that says the thief, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to give you life and all its fullness. So you may say, well, I don't, you know, because some people say, well, I don't believe in the devil. Well, you don't have to believe in the devil for the devil to be be real. There's some people who didn't believe in COVID and they are in the grave. I don't believe in the devil. Well, the devil believes in you, though. So listen, if the devil, the Bible said, Jesus said he came to give us life and life more abundantly. And the devil's resume is to kill, steal, and destroy. Then guess what? Anytime we see anything in this world that is connected to killing, stealing, and destroying, you cannot say that is God's fault. Now listen to God's purpose. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where, church? From above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of eternity. The New Living Translation says, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from who? 
If it's good, listen, that's why when God made the world, day one, day two, day three, all the way down to day six, he says it is good. And then he got down to the last day and he says it's very good. So that means everything, that's four words, everything that God made was good. Say amen to that. If it's not good, it didn't come from God. So you may say, well, God made everything, including the devil. So isn't he responsible then for what the devil does? Touch your name and say, I'm about to learn something right now. My answer to that question is, God didn't make the devil. He created Lucifer. Are you hearing me, church? Lucifer decided to become the devil. He made Lucifer. Lucifer was designed to be the praise and worship person in heaven. He was serving God. But somewhere he led his pride because you have to remember when God made the angels and when God made humans, he gave us all our own wills to do what we want to do. And somewhere the devil, Lucifer, decided, I want to be like God. And at that point, he went from being Lucifer to the devil. Amen. So angels, just like us, can rebel against God. And that's what happened. So, this is how we need to look at it. Jesus said, this is in Luke chapter 10, verse 18. He says, I saw Satan falling from heaven as a flash of lightning. And I give him, listen, he says to us, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Not some of it, all the power of the enemy. And to walk among serpents and scorpions and crush them, nothing shall injure you. And you may say, well, pastor, I see people being injured all the time. I watch the news and people are dying. And we got school shootings and all of that stuff. And so let me just say something. I said something earlier that I want to illustrate. I said this, God is all-knowing, but that doesn't make him all responsible. So how many watch the news sometimes? Watch the news? How many listen to the news sometimes, right? Okay, so uh, the weatherman gets on the news and he gives us a seven-day forecast. It's Monday and he's telling us what it's going to be on Sunday, right? And so on Wednesday, he says it's going to rain. But you don't want it to rain. But he's telling you based on his forecast, With all the instruments that he has, it's going to rain. Well, for some reason, you decide you're going to believe the weatherman. So you take an umbrella to work on Wednesday. How many have ever done that? Okay, so you take the umbrella because you believe the weatherman. And I'll be doggone it. Guess what happens on Wednesday? It rains. What do you call up to the weather station and cuss the weatherman out? Do you do that? No, you don't. Do you blame him? That weatherman, I don't know why he said it. No, you don't blame him. Listen, just because he knows it doesn't mean he's responsible for it. And just because God knows everything doesn't make him responsible for everything. Why? Because he's made us to be able to do what we want to do. So some of the things that happen in our life, it happens because other people have wills that don't line up with ours. Say amen to that. Because here's the deal. You can't trust God if you feel he's responsible. So let's take Granny that passed away. Well, guess what? Granny wins either way. Because see, the reality of life sometimes is that, watch this, we can be at the right place sometimes, but at the wrong time. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God, which always, everybody say always. 
always causes us to triumph or win in Christ. Always. Listen, I always win. You're not going to beat me. I always win. Look at your neighbor and say, I always win. It always causes us triumph in Christ Jesus. So how do we win as Christians when bad things happen? Here's how we win. If we lose in the natural, we still win in the eternal. That's what happened to Granny. Granny may have lost the physical fight, but Granny still won the overall fight because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So Granny still won. You the one here with bills, Granny gone. We have spiritual life insurance and the person who paid the policy for us is named Jesus Christ. Amen. Having Christ, however, does not exempt us from problems. Amen. So, here's the beautiful thing. He promised that it's going to work out. Amen. So, now let's go to point number three. And that is, all problems work together for our good. All of them. Not some of them. All of them. Because, and I'm not, look, not just life-made problems, not just man-made problems, but even self-made problems can work together for your good if you'll let them. How many have made a problem for yourself? Let me, yeah. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans 8, verse, you know what? Let's look in Romans verse, uh, let's go to verse 28 first. Romans 20, Romans 8, 28. Let's read that one first. What's the first word in that verse, church? And. Okay, so we can't start there. Because and is a conjunction, which means that verse 28 is connected to verse 27. So let's go to verse 27. All right. What's the first word in that verse, church? Oh, well, we can't read verse 27 because verse 27 is connected to verse 26. So now let's go to verse 26. It says, likewise, the spirit also helps our what? Infirmities or weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for. As we ought to, but the Spirit itself, He makes intercession. He prays for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And He who searches the heart, He knows what's in the mind of the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit, He prays for us. He makes intercession for who? The saints, according to the will of God. And because now, listen, the Spirit of God in me is praying for me, and He's praying the will of God, I know all things are going to work together for good. Why? Because I'm broshitada, but I'm no so. That's what I know. And sometimes when we are the cause of the problem, we tend to not have faith to approach God to help us. We think like the world. Silly stuff like, well, I got myself in it. Come on now, that silly stuff in the kingdom. When you have a spiritual perspective of problems like Jesus told us to have, you'll understand that God is in the problem with you even though you created it. Amen. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 46, 1 and 2 says, God is our refuge and he's our strength. He's a very present help in trouble. So if I'm in trouble and God's in me, he's in the trouble with me. And if I rely on him, he'll help me get out of it. Everybody say years ago. I haven't told this story. So about six years ago or so, God gave me uh, like uh, uh, I, I, for years I had this, this vision board and I had put this white Bentley on the vision board. Right now, don't look at me like that now because pastors can dream too. 
So I had it on there for a long time. I forgot that I had it on there. So I'm walking around my house one day and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says this. Evan, I can show you how to get that Bentley and not change your budget. I said, what? He said, I can show you how to get the Bentley you want and not change your budget. I said, show me, Lord. So the Lord showed me how to do it. And it worked. So I'm driving my, you know, my dream Bentley. And this is when we was building the building. So one day, I'm driving. Now this Bentley, it was a flying spur. And you can, the car could be running. And you can have the key in your pocket. And lock the door while it's still running. So I would do that a lot, especially in wintertime. I keep my heater running. Or summertime, I would keep my, my air conditioner running. Keep the door locked, right? So I pulled up to check on the building. So I was going to run into the, the, the trailer that the construction worker had. I was going to run in there and ask him a few questions and come back out. So I parked right across the street where the school is, you know, that little, that little side medium right in front. So I, I, I jumped and, you know, I had on these Jordan shorts and stuff I always fall out your pocket. So when I got out of the car, it was hot. So I was like, okay, I'm going to leave it running. I'm only going to be in there five minutes. And the key slipped out of my pocket. And stayed in the seat. I didn't care. Five minutes. Who's going to steal a Bentley? I go in the construction worker. I go in the, in the, in the thing. And we're talking. We couldn't have been in there no more than nine, ten minutes. If that. We come outside. He says, Pastor, where's your car? I said, well, it was over there. <laughs> So there was a ditch over there, right? There was a ditch. I said, well, maybe it rolled into the ditch. So I go look at the ditch. No car in the ditch. I said, somebody just stole the man of God's car. Now, I got a question for you. Whose fault that my car got stolen? It is not the devil's fault. I devil, no. It was not the devil's fault. It was my fault. But see, I know what I'm teaching you. I said, well, I created a problem. He said, how many things work together for my good? All things. I said, okay, so, but, but you gotta repent now. You, you done, you done took your, your, uh, your electricity money. I'm talking to somebody. You done took your electricity money. <laughs> you done gave it to your kids or something. So now your budget all out of mess and now you got negatives and stuff going on. Well, You can't just be like, Lord, help me. No, you have to first say, Lord, forgive me. That's what I had to do. Lord, forgive me for leaving my car running with the key in it. Then right after I said that, I said, Lord, help me. (laughs) So, you know, had to call the insurance people and tell them what was going on and in the middle of that, I had people saying, oh, my cousin, he left his keys in his car and the, the insurance company didn't pay for it. I, that devil is a lie. Your cousin don't have favor with God. I have a promise. He would work all things together for my good. I don't know your cousin, but I tell you what, your cousin ain't me. So then, you know, you, this is when, you know, Facebook put some messages out on Facebook and one of my cousins reached out to me because I had just did his dad's funeral, you know, 
not too long ago before that. And uh, the car was admired at the funeral. But he, he contacted me and said, cuz, just know I, I, I ain't got nothing to do with you. Yo, yo. You know, we all got relatives on both sides of the law. Come on now. Both sides. He was like, cuz, listen, listen. I ain't got nothing to do with your Bentley being stolen. He says, I don't even know whoever it is, cuz, they don't know what they're doing. He said, because they can't do nothing with that car. Because all the parts to a car like that have been uh, 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 set up for just that car. So if you take the radiator, it ain't going to work for no other car but that car. It's just how it's set up like that. So anyway, long story short, the insurance was investigating. I can see I'm not going to finish my lesson right now. The insurance company was investigating. So while they're investigating, I was on vacation with my pastor and his wife, right? So we're on vacation. It was quite a few pastors and stuff. And so we're sitting around. And so my pastor's wife, Pastor Bridget, said, son, how, how's your car going? How's it going with the whole thing? I said, well, mom, they, they still investigating it. And so, so there was a pastor there. Uh, no, there was a, uh, she, it's, she started reminiscing because Apostle had bought her a Bentley for Mother's Day years ago. And there was a pastor who had asked her when she got tired of it, would she sell it to him? Well, the guy that asked her to sell it to him, he passed on. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I said, Mom, he's gone. Will you sell it to me? I can't help he's gone. I miss him. But I did ask her, would she sell it to me? I need a car. So she looked over at Apostle and Apostle's like, hey, if you want to sell it to him, sell it to him. So anyway, some time go by. I have to be in Houston for like a round table or something. And I was going to have to be there for a week. So I text mom. I said, hey, mom, uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to be there this week. Uh, can I test drive your car when I get there? Okay. Now she didn't have the flying spurs like the middle. So you know, like Mercedes, you have the C class, then you have the E class, and then you have the S class. You know, those three models. Now they got a whole lot in between, but I'm just saying those are the three. Well, that's how it is with Bentley. You got the Continental, the small one, then you got the flying spur, and then you had the, the, the big, uh, Muzon, and that's what she had. Right. So she said, so she texts me back. She says, I tell you what, you're going to be here for a week. You can just keep it for the whole week. I said, Oh, I see favor coming. So I get there, right? This car, at the time, only had 10,000 miles on it. Still brand new. One person sat in the back seat one time. So, you know, me and my best friend, we rode around that week. And I was, I was, I was, I, I hate to tell you, this is all flesh. I was leaning and just profiling. <laughs> I, I was. You would too, I promise you. You would too. It wasn't my car. I'm, I'm, look, I'm just enjoying the car for a week. All I had to do is put gas in it. Man, that car, and that car, I mean, that car rode like amazing. Long story short, I get back to the house to give her the car. She said, son, did you like the car? I said, ooh, mom, I'll tell you what. That was the best riding car I ever rode in my life. She said, would you, would you want to buy it? I said, no, no. I said, I ain't got my stuff straight with my car yet. She said, but do you like it? I said, yeah. So she went in the house and she got all the books and records for it. And she got all the keys and she gave it to me. She says, listen, here you go. You just drive it home. And uh, when your car stuff gets straightened out, we can talk about how to get it. She let me take her car. Well, she said, no, no, she went further. She, we went to the bank and she signed over the, 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 uh, the title to me. 
And the person was like, you going to sign this over to him? He ain't paid you nothing. She said, that's my son. I trust him. I said, that's right. <laughs> and God worked it out and I got a better car. Watch this. Because he works things together for it. Good. Come on. Give the Lord a hand clap for that. So how are we going to apply the message today? Here's the, here's, here's the application of the message today. In order to have the right perspective when problems come, you're going to have to renew your mind with the word to gain and maintain Jesus' perspective of problems. I'm going to say that again. You must renew your mind with the word to gain and maintain. Because see, your mind can slip back into reverse. It's like a rubber band. It's going to go back to where it came from. You got to continue to renew your mind. Here's number two. When problems come, you must find and meditate on the promise from God's word. That's what, see what we do, we do the opposite. We meditate on the problem. No, I'm telling you to go find a promise and you meditate on it. Here's number three. You got to speak the promise to the problem. You got to speak the promise to the problem. Listen, that's what our parents used to do when they whooped us. Come on, anybody got a talking whooping? Talking whooping. Talking whooping. I told you to clean your room up. That was the promise. I told you. Do not answer. Do not answer. If you are a child and you still at whooping level, don't answer the question. It adds more licks. No, you shouldn't, you know, no. So anyway, speak the promise to the problem. Watch this. And you will see God's power show up. Did you get something out of the message today? So today is our new membership class. And so I I decided that every first Sunday, I'm going to do what they call the right hand of fellowship like I did with LaTerrence. Because we got some people that's going to be in the class today. And then Leteris, you know, he, he's known for texting me early in the morning. I, I don't know if this brother sleep or not. He texts me early this morning and says, Pastor, Jessica Reedy wants to join church today. I said, what? So I'm going to start with her by giving her the right hand of fellowship. Can you just come on up here, Jessica, so I can give you the right hand of fellowship? <laughs> Congratulations. So listen, uh, can you bring me a mic real quick? Here's, here's, now, I'm not doing this for everybody, but he told me, he said, Pastor, you need to ask her why she joining today. So I'm going to ask, you know, so why did you make that decision to come? Because, you know, you live here, right? So a lot of churches around here. Um, I came here with my son, well, my children. I have three boys, and my oldest was sitting in service, and we we church professionally. <laughs> <laughs> Justin has seen many churches. We have been to many churches. We've been behind the scenes in the churches. We've felt the spirit of churches, and I have taught him discernment of what it feels like to be in a good place. And so he's very keen. He has a lot of gifts. And we were sitting right here. And he, he leaned over. He said, Mama, I like it here. I said, what that mean? I said, what you mean you like it here? 
We've been many places. <laughs> he said, no. He said, this feel right. So when we got in the car, I said, break it down a little bit more. I said, now look, don't have me around here church hopping. I said, it's <laughs> And so I kind of, I kind of harassed the pastor. I said, I mean, you had a good one-off. That was a good sermon. <laughs> I said, you can't pull it off again. <laughs> I mean, you all right. Don't get me wrong. You all right. But it's the greeters. And it's, it's, it's Polo being welcoming in the praise and worship team. It's everybody else. Again, I mean, you all right. It's just, it's feel like love in here. You know, and that's why. Come on, y'all give Jessica a big hand. So, Lateris brought her. So, I'm going I'm to say one piece and then I'm going to ask you, if you're joining church today, whether you're going to be in the class or not, I'm going to ask you in just a minute to come and let me give you the right hand of fellowship. Because sometimes I think a public decision needs to be made. You can't be a closet Christian. But I saw her son in the, in the, in the foyer and I asked him how was his experience and this is what he told me. He said, that was the best service I've ever been to in my life. I said, come on now. Come on now. So if you are here and you want to join Word of Truth Family Church today, can you just come up off your seats and just come give me the right hand of fellowship? Just, and all you're going to do is come shake my hand and then you can go right back to your seat. Come on, give anybody who's coming up a big hand clap. If you're here joining me on the, on the line and you're joining, we have an online membership. I want you to put a thumbs up. Come on in. Let me shake your hand. Good morning. God bless you. Congratulations. Good morning. God bless you. You're welcome. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, they can just walk right up. They can just walk right up. Good morning. God bless you. Congratulations. Congratulations. God bless you. Good morning. Congratulations. Congratulations, young man. Congratulations. Congratulations, young lady. Congratulations to you. Congratulations. God bless you. God bless you. Congratulations. Congratulations. Come on, y'all. Give them a hand clap. Congratulations. Good morning. Congratulations. Good morning. Congratulations. Congratulations to you. Good morning. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, give them all a big hand clap this morning. So you may be seated for just a second. If you're watching me right now, if you're watching me right now and you want to join Word of Truth Family Church, we actually have an online, when I do my class today, you can actually log online and be a part of the class. We have the class every first Sunday of the month. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I don't want to stop the service because there may be someone here who... If you die today, you're not 100% sure you'd go to heaven.